highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And he says at verse 2, back in our text, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Yes, the God the Father has given Jesus, his son, authority over all things. That's, that's really encouraging to me because I need to know that he does. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus claimed to have authority over all flesh with the ability to give eternal life to mankind. This is a clear and startling claim to deity. No one but God could truthfully and knowingly make this claim. This gives us new hope for evangelism and ministry work, knowing that Jesus has authority over all flesh. Even for those who reject Jesus or are ignorant of him, even if they do not know it or acknowledge it, Jesus has authority over them. We can pray in faith and ask Jesus to exercise that authority over those who have yet to repent and believe. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Notice, Jesus spoke these words and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son and your Son may glorify you. Two things to note here. Uh, Where is heaven? It's up. Right? I mean, wherever you are on the earth, you look up and there's heaven. Because when Jesus looked up to heaven when he was in Jerusalem or in Israel, he's looking up because that specifies where God's domain is, where his dwelling place is. I love what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul said, It's doubtless not profitable for me to boast, but I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ, and Paul is speaking of himself here in the third person, of course. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And this idea of the third heaven is paradise. Jesus called it paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise and the third heaven are one in the same. The third heaven, so three heavens? What's that about? (laughs) Well, there's, there's three heavens that we believe there are. There's, uh, there's the earth's atmosphere right above us, the clouds and the cirrus clouds, and all of that is the first heaven. And we read about that in Deuteronomy. Moses speaking to the children of Israel before they went into the promised land. He says, But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. He's speaking of that first heaven, the rain from heaven, that first sphere above us. And the second heaven is this interplanetary space which inhabits the stars and the moon and all the planets and those things that we can see, the galaxies and all of that. That's the the second heaven. In Genesis 15, verse 5, uh, when God spoke to Abraham, 
It says, then he, verse 5 of Genesis 15, then he, God, brought him, Abram, outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So this interplanetary space is the second heaven, but there's also a third dwelling place, a third heaven, and it's the very dwelling place of God. And it tells us in 1 Kings chapter uh, 8, verse 30, Remember, as David was uh, passed from the scene, his son Solomon built the temple. And in building the temple, as he dedicated the temple, what did Solomon pray? It says that, Lord, that you may hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when you pray toward this place. Here in heaven, here in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. So we see in Scripture these three different heavens. And when Jesus prayed, notice that he didn't close his eyes. (laughs) At least here he didn't. I mean, you can close your eyes. But you know, when we look at the psalmist, we look at Psalm uh, 123, what did David say? Or the psalmist, excuse me. It says, unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. And so the psalmist would look to heaven and lift his eyes. And in 1 Kings, we just read some of it just a moment ago, but Solomon, in the beginning of his dedication, he, it says that he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you, who keeps covenant and mercy with your servants, or who walks before you, uh, who, who walk, um, your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. So I'm sure as he's lifting his hands, to heaven, he's not looking at the ground. <laughs> he's addressing the one. He's lifting up his eyes to heaven. So let me just state the obvious. You know, um, why do people close their eyes when they pray? There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But it's, it's something that you know we we often think about. You know, why is it? I think part of it is perhaps to re- the reduce uh, the feeling of being uncomfortable. I mean, think of how weird it would be if I'm praying to God and I'm looking at Aiden. And I'm like, God, you are so awesome. Your majesty is so wonderful. You are just incredible. Lord, I love you. You know, and so when I'm looking at him, he's going to get really uncomfortable as I start to extol his majesty. I mean, there's majesty to extol there, but, you know, I'm, I'm only kidding. But, but, you know, but when I do it, I, I, look, I, I, I can close my eyes and, or I can look up. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care about your, your position when you pray. He doesn't care if your eyes are open or closed. But culturally, we tend to close our eyes, and there's nothing wrong with that, because sometimes I'm in a room and there are distractions, and there's times where I need to close my eyes because I need to really think about who it is that I'm speaking to, and then I can, wor- I can worship him, I can talk to him, and I'm, I'm focused. And I, sometimes I need to do that, because if I open my eyes, there are all these distractions wherever I'm at. All right, And so, again, there's no, this is not a big deal. It's just something to be aware of. And you may notice from time to time that when I pray up here, I have my eyes wide open. Don't let that creep you out. You know? So it's a, I think it's a church tradition, and it's not a bad tradition. You've got to do what you've got to do to stay focused. That's the main thing. And for heaven's sake, keep your eyes uh, 
open and on the road when you're going on 490. Okay, so pray with your eyes open. And also, if you're uh, using any heavy equipment, John, you know, uh, if you're using any heavy equipment at work, make sure you keep your eyes open. You know, <laughs> so we don't want to close our eyes. But we can do that. We can pray to God at any time. But notice, he says, the Father, Father, the hour has come. Notice that in verse 1. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. You know, there was a time when it wasn't Jesus' hour. And we've been through this before. There was a time when it wasn't his hour, and then there was a time that it was his hour. And obviously Jesus is not speaking about a physical 60-minute hour, but rather an indeterminate period of time that really spanned really the last week of his life before his crucifixion. Jesus, in John 7, verse 30, it says, Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. In John chapter 8, verse 19, 19, John chapter 8, verse 19, the Pharisee, speaking to Jesus, says, Where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. And, and, And if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And these words spake Jesus in the treasury, and he taught as he taught in the temple. And no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. This was earlier in his ministry. But there was a time when his hour would come, and, uh, and we will see that in John chapter 13. Where it says now, and this is the very, the very night that Jesus would go into where he would be with his disciples in the upper room, you remember. And he was there with them. And it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then here in John 17, Father, the hour has come. The hour has come. This time, this time period of when all things are going to come to pass. The things that have been prophesied. And he says, verse 2, back in our text, As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Yes, the God the Father has given Jesus, his Son, authority over all things. That's, that's really encouraging to me, because I need to know that he does. In Psalm 2, you know this. The Lord said to me, you are my son, and this is a psalm of David written a thousand years before Jesus would even be born. And here it's prophesied that Jesus, the very son of David, and yet David's Lord, David would make this prophecy. He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Jesus is going to have authority and dominion over all of the earth. When he comes back, all dominions, all rules, and all uh, kingdoms are going to be submitted to him. He's going to crush them all, and he is going to be the authority. In Psalm 24, what does it tell us? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and all those who dwell therein. It all belongs to him. And it will rightfully be his in the millennium. And in Matthew 28, what did Jesus say to his disciples before he ascended to heaven? We call it the Great Commission. 
He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that. Isn't it nice to know that in amidst all the chaos, you can rest in Christ? The world around us doesn't have that. They don't believe that. And therefore, their lives, I mean, you know, even as Christians, our lives can get really, really out of whack and can get really crazy. But think about it, what it must be like for an unbeliever who doesn't have the Scripture and doesn't know Christ and is not born again. Think of the trouble that would be for the soul. The only thing that's really settling me and keeping me on without going schizo is the fact that I, I read in the Scripture what's coming. And so when I see those things start to happen, and believe me, they're happening if you got your eyes open, when I see those things happening, my heart is, even though I, uh, it's unsettling, I, I know what's the end game. Do, do, do you understand? And so you have a, an anchor for your soul. You're not just out there in the world. I can't imagine what life would be like now, not having Christ in my life. I would probably be finding my solace in the bottom of a bottle, I'd probably be finding my solace in maybe some kind of drug to to kill the pain and the uncertainty and the fear. But thank God he's gotten a hold of us. And he's got a hold of us. And we thank you, Jesus, for that. But notice what he says at the end of verse 2 there, that he should give give eternal life to as many as you have given him. That God the Father would give to Jesus. And Jesus gives eternal life to as many as God the Father has given him. We've seen this in John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And Jesus, speaking to Martha, you remember in John chapter 11, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. He is eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. Do you know Jesus this morning? He wants you. He wants you. He loves you. He created you. Before you were in the womb, He formed you and knew you. He spoke that to Jeremiah, and and we're no different. God has, He knows exactly what He's doing. He knew exactly we would be here today. He knew we would be in America here in 2020 at Browncroft Corners, or actually, it's not Brown, it's Calvary Corners, hallelujah forgot it's that's the way it used to be but yeah so he knows and he wants us he wants you will you give yourself to him will you give your heart to christ notice in verse three back in our text he says and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and notice, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So notice again what Jesus is saying here. Again, he is equal with the Father, and that's really the theme of the Gospel of John, isn't it? Isn't that what it says in John 20 at the very end, near the end of of this book? It says, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And the Apostle John, who wrote this, also had some very strong words for those who only believe in God but don't believe in Jesus. You can't have it that way, folks. You can't say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in this Jesus character. I don't care about him, but I believe in God. Well, it doesn't work that way. 
You can't get to heaven. That's why Jesus said, there's no other name under heaven given by men whereby men must be saved, but by the name of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through Him, except through Christ. What does it tell us in John's uh, first letter? He says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, meaning the anointed, the Messiah, who is equal with God? The rabbis knew that. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Notice this in verse 23. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. But he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Do you understand what that means? You can't just say, I believe in God, and and think that God is going to accept you. Because you can say, oh, I believe in God the Father, but I don't believe in Jesus. And you will stand before God, and he will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Because the only means of salvation, the only one who is holy, the only one who is righteous and perfect is my son. And he paid the price for you on that cross. His blood, the very blood of God, was shed in my place. I deserve to be there. I deserved eternal punishment. But Jesus took that punishment for you and I. And therefore, he is accepted. And then we also are accepted if we are in him. And how do you be in him? You simply believe everything that Jesus said he was said about himself, everything that he said, you you ask him into your life, you ask him to forgive you of your sins. Have you done that this morning? Have you done that? Have you asked him to forgive you? And keep asking him, Lord, forgive me for my sins. If we are, what does it tell us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10? If we, if, if we are, um, if we sin, we can ask for forgiveness, and he will be faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice, back in our text now, in verse 4, it says, Jesus says, I have glorified you, God, his Father. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And this is interesting, because Jesus, his heart and mind were already settled that he was going to finish the work of redemption for mankind by being crucified on the cross Remember what he said on the cross. He said, it is finished. To tell us day I in the, in, the, in the Greek, and it means the, the, the price has been paid in full. There's no other debt that needs to be paid. I paid that price, Jesus says, and there's no other debt. And that is the greatest thing, folks, all of us must understand and receive into our hearts is to know that our sins have been forgiven. Because without it, we would be hopelessly lost and we would not enter heaven but Jesus paid that price. He said, it is finished. It's finished. And verse 5, he says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had. Notice, with, notice this. is really interesting. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. So that means that before Genesis 1, verse 1, Jesus was present with the Father. Hey, wait a minute. I thought that... He came through the Virgin Mary. Yes, he did, but it's called the pre-incarnate Christ. He always lived before he was incarnate in human form. He always existed with the Father. It tells us that, right? In Genesis chapter 1, what does it tell us? In the beginning, God, the, the Hebrew word is Elohim. It speaks of a plurality. But it's speaking of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning with God, 
And, and, and all things were made through him. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. In the beginning, God uh, created the heavens and the earth. All three of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, were involved in the creation process. And then in John chapter 1, we see the wonderful verse that we know and love so much. I love this verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So in the beginning, before anything was created, this whoever this Word is, and we know that the Word is, the Greek is the Logos, it's Jesus Christ. Because it tells us in John's 14th verse in that first chapter that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we know who that is. It's Jesus. But all things were made through Him, and without Him, what nothing that was made was made. And so he always existed. The glory that I had, Father, with you before the world was. He, was, he always existed. That's a wonderful thought. I love to get carried away with that. And he says, I have manifested. And notice now, Jesus takes a break from praying for himself. And now for the next um, verse uh, 6 down through 19, he's going to be praying specifically for his disciples. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. Aren't you glad that, you're, that you belong to him? There's an ownership there, isn't there? I'm so glad to be owned by God. Because I, I was owned by Satan for a long time. He had me, and I was just a puppet. And he had me. But he doesn't have me anymore, and he doesn't have you anymore. You may be struggling, but he doesn't have you anymore. All he can do is tempt you and try to mess up your life. But guess what? You're heaven-bound, Christian. If you're a believer, Satan can't take you anymore. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Did they keep it perfectly? No, they didn't, but they did ultimately come around. They were a little slow like you and I, and I like that because I I qualify. So now you have known, now they have known, verse 7, that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. We saw this in the very previous chapter, in John chapter 16. You might want to put a a footnote in verse 8 here, and just put in uh, John 16, 25 through 30, because that's really when the light bulb started to go off with the disciples. It started to go off for them. And you can read that on your own. But basically Jesus, um, well, let me just read it to you. These th- and this is John 16, verse 25. And we looked at this last week. But they're finally getting it. It's just taking some time. And maybe you're in that same place of, uh, it's going to take some time. You know, the, when, when I first heard the gospel, it took a while for it to kind of sneak up on me. And that's really what I felt like. I, I, it was like, a, for, for me, it was a, a gradual thing Until the moment when God just said, okay, you've heard enough. I've told you, I've had people sharing with you, Rob, for years. And and, and now there was like the decision time. And that took a moment. That was in an instant. But prior to that, I was being, God was grooming me in a sense. He was trying to woo me to get my interest and show me the truth about who he is and who I was. And boy, there's such a big difference between the two of us.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.